Alrighty, what up? Howdy folks, welcome back to the MatchNet Podcast. It's your boy. Welcome back to this podcast that is only for you, my friend. Listen, the single people of this universe that are trying to prepare well for this amazing cosmic gift from God and True Parents, which is what? The marriage blessing of True Parents. If you're with us in this podcast, it means you're in the right place. And I want to encourage y'all to subscribe, to follow wherever you are only because we want to spend more time with you and the more episodes we can spend time with together, the more you will make really good decisions. Today's episode is on the topic of, is it okay to have preferences? And this is the age old question that we get a lot. I recorded this for a group of sisters that uh, I was a mentoring for, a facilitating a group for that, are, that were uh, matching candidates. And I felt like it was appropriate to let y'all in on this secret episode that has never been released before. The concepts that are gonna be applied in this video will be relevant to anyone, regardless if you're a brother or sister, so please enjoy, listen up, and I'll see you guys soon. What exactly do you look for in a spouse? What do you look for in a man when you're trying to find your eternal partner, right? And with that question is a very important question, which is, is it okay to have preferences? Maybe you have a, pre a preference about how tall or anything, internal or external preferences. Now, I'm willing to bet, actually, you probably do have preferences and that's okay. And so in this video, I'm going to answer clearly, is it okay to have preferences and what to look for in a spouse, all right? So let's first answer this question. Is it okay? Yes, it is okay to have preferences when you're looking for a spouse. But, however, very, very important big caveat here, Number one, you need to make sure, you absolutely have to make sure that the first thing you're looking at when you're finding a spouse is do your values align? Is your, do you have a common vision for your life? Do you have common values, a common value system? And first look at that. And then after you look at that, everything else underneath that is 100% optional and up to you, okay? Completely optional. The problem is people reverse it. And they usually will look at first at my preferences, whether external or internal preferences. And then they will say, hopefully, maybe in case they might perhaps align with me, with my vision for my life and my values. But if you do that, guess what happens? If you look first and foremost, for example, if you say, oh, I want a spouse who is physically fit, right? And that's okay. But if you do that, look what happens is that in a relationship, it is very likely actually and possible that that primary thing that you're basing your entire relationship on, your preference, can within your lifetime change drastically because you know, you might marry someone, you might get that dad bod, overweight, stop working out, stop taking care of himself, that many times happens. And then your entire foundation of your relationship is shattered and what are you left with, right? And this is more common than we think. And then on top of that, because we're talking about the blessing here, which is an eternal commitment, what happens when you go to spirit world? Tell me how much the preferences matter when you go to spirit world. Infinitely less relevant, completely irrelevant when we go to spirit world because we know that the only thing that you will bring to your spirit, to your spirit world, to the afterlife, is going to be the interim. It's going to be your values. It's going to be love that you experience within your life. So the first and foremost thing that you must absolutely look at when you're looking at a spouse is do our values align, okay? Now let's look at what True Father did when True Father was matching the first generation or people that went to True Parents matching, my parents, maybe your parents. 
when Shufala was matching someone, what is the criteria in which he was putting people together? What's the criteria that people are going to Shufala's matching? If you think about it, there's only two. There are only two things that are required for, for Shufala to match people for them to create a lineage, a family centered on God. Number one is that they have to be the opposite gender. That's it. That's the first thing. Number two is they have to have a shared belief in the blessing, specifically a shared faith in true parents. Because if they didn't, they wouldn't be there at the matching ceremony. Does that make sense? So if true father can match anybody together because he knows that if he puts two people together that have a shared vision, shared values in the blessing and want to raise their children in that faith, in that environment, true father knows that they can make it work and they can create an ideal family. If True Father went outside in the public in the streets of New York, New York City, he found two random people walking on the sidewalk and said, hey, you and you, you're matched. What do you think they would say? What are you talking about? What are you, what are you crazy? What are you saying? Because they have no foundation. There's no common base. And that's why it's most important, number one. Okay. Now, the second really big caveat, when you have preferences, let me say again, it's okay to have a preference. However, if you have preferences that are that are underneath the first most important thing is do you have a shared vision and values for the blessing if you do have preferences you need to understand that there are serious risks associated with doing that all right the first risk that you have is that you are physically limiting the pool of opportunity in your life you're physically limiting the people that you can get matched with okay let's take for example if just example your preference is that you have someone that is taller let's say 170 centimeters or like five, six, five feet, six inches, right? Pr very common for sisters, especially to have this kind of preference. If you do that, you have to know that you are actually physically limiting your pool of opportunities significantly because numerically speaking, a large percentage of the, of the men in our movement are actually shorter. Did you know that? If we consider the fact that a lot of men in our movement that share your, fa that share your faith that want to receive the blessing, that are open to a relationship and matching process, most of them are actually from Asia, from Japan, from Southeast Asia, most numerically, okay? So you're physically limiting your pool of opportunity and statistically it's going to be harder. So that's the important thing, number one. The most more important thing to understand, the risk associated with preferences, too many preferences, is that you are limiting the opportunity for God to work. Because God might say to you, I would suggest that this person who is my son that I love dearly and I suggest because it would be a good match, I suggest them and they are short in Japanese. How sad is it if the first thing you look at is, you know what, you're short and you completely ignore the fact that God has hand selected a suggestion to you, right? And of course that's your responsibility and that's your prerogative and you just have to make own up and take ownership of that decision. But the second huge risk associated with having too many preferences is that, is that you are actually literally limiting the way that God might be able to work. And I want to reference a very important story that we shared uh, in the MatchNet podcast, one of the episodes where it, it was uh, one brother who was an American brother, Ilya, and he was sharing his matching experience with his lovely wife, Je uh, Diane, right? And his experience was that when he was looking for a spouse and his parents asked him, what kind of spouse was, are you looking for? His initial thought was, I will match, be matched to anyone except for a black woman. 
And he said, because I cannot handle a black woman because the culture is too different from mine. And because he's wise and he has enough self-respect and self-awareness to ask himself, is that really mature? Is it possible that God might be suggesting to me a black woman and I was unwilling to look at them as God's daughter and instead I was look, well, looking at them through my eyes. How sad would it be if that was the situation? And that's what he thought. And he's like, that's actually very selfish of me and closed-minded. And so in the moment, he opened his mind. In the moment, he decided, even though he had these preferences, guys, this is important. Even though he had the preferences, in the moment when it came down to it, he said, I'm deciding to first and foremost look at her as a child of God. And lo and behold, he was suggested this beautiful black woman named Diane. And God bless him for putting down his filter of what he prefers because then he was able to see her as a unique child, beautifully unique, uniquely divine in her own right and a daughter of God. And because he was able to see that in her, he realized, oh, I actually really like this person. I actually think that this would be a good match because he's seeing first and foremost individuals as individuals and not through your own lenses, all right? Let me say something that's, that's maybe controversial to hear. It is the most self-centered thing and sinful thing on planet Earth to see people from our own, from our own viewpoints, to not see people as God's children. It is incredibly self-centered, incredibly sinful, because in other words, we are looking at them for what they can do for us and not for who they truly are. And let me say again, it is okay to have preferences, but you need to make sure first and foremost that your lens, the filter through which you are looking at every single man, woman, child on planet Earth is first, this is a divinely unique aspect of God's heart and I might not see it currently. Ilya did not see it initially. I did not see it in my own wife, Hitue, initially. But I might not understand it now, but I'm committed to choosing to see it over time. And that's the decision you need to make. I was asked recently by a brother in our group, how do I actually develop that mindset of looking at everybody as ch children of God? How do I become like that, right? Well, two ways. Number one, you can work on yourself and see yourself as a child of God, understand that you are unconditionally loved no matter what. And as you do that, you will naturally try to see everybody as unconditionally loved by God. It's a natural byproduct of seeing yourself. Because if you think God doesn't love you, what are the chances that you're gonna think that God loves other people? Zero. But if you know with confidence that you're worthy of God, love and grace of God, then you will know with confidence that everybody is under the same heavenly parent, right? And the second way to develop this mindset and this attitude of everyone is a child of God, everyone is my brother or sister, the second way to do that is just to make decisions when it counts, when it comes to it, when somebody approaches you, when a family approaches you for a matching process, when you approach another family, it's a decision. You may still have preferences, yes. Like Ilya still had preferences for not a black woman, but he was willing to put that down because he had something more important at hand. He had a priority, he had a mission. I want to create God's family. I want to have a God-centered family and therefore I'm willing to put away my physical preferences because maybe God might have a suggestion that is beyond what I'm seeing right now and maybe I might be able to see their beauty over time. And that's really what it comes down to is deciding in the moment that I'm going to do this. It's a decision you make, okay? Think about when people go to your father's matching. Do you think that every single person that goes to father's matching has zero preferences? No, 
I guarantee you people do. Maybe it's deep down, deep seated. They're not willing to admit it or verbalize it, but I promise you there is because we're human. But what do they do? They decide, even though I might have preferences, I'm going to go with faith that there's something that I'm not seeing in every black, Japanese, Asian, Korean, Italian, Spanish, South American, Brazilian person on this planet, and I'm willing to learn how to love them no matter what, all right? And that's what it takes. It takes that deliberation and strategy to find the person, okay? So to wrap this up, I want to emphasize this important point. What do you look for in a spouse? It's the ultimate question. Really, there's only two things. Really, there's only two things. Number one, opposite gender. That one's easy. Number two, they have to have a shared belief in mission and value system. Inside the realm of the blessing in our movement and also inside secular marriage, the recommendation, even in the secular marriage realm, is find somebody that has a shared common mission with you, right? And because we're talking about the blessing, which is an eternal commitment in the context of we want to create long-term, everlasting, eternal blessed families and blessed couples. In that context, what is important is you have a shared vision, a shared value system around the blessing. So specifically, how do you want to, to raise your kids inside this blessing, all right? What kind of faith do you want to develop as a couple? What is your conviction about, the, 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 about blessed families, about the blessing? What is your conviction about God and spirit, spirituality? Talk about these things. And if you're aligned in the most important ways that are actually important and actually matter, if you're aligned in those, you can make it work and you will be happy because no matter what life throws at you, you will be able to make it through it because you have that that you're holding on to, all right? I'm gonna tell you a quick story that happened very recently with a couple that I've been helping for a while. And I'm gonna share this with you because I think it might be helpful and it really highlights some important facts, all right? This couple that I was helping recently have gone through a divorce, all right? 10 years being in a relationship, 10 years being blessed, recently gone getting divorced. And what I found through this experience is that what happened is at the beginning, they seemed like they were very much on the same page, had the same beliefs, had the same faith, right? But over time, what happened is that the wife lost faith, started listening to a lot of the negative stuff, surrounding herself with negative people, negative friends, losing faith in God, spirituality, saying it's all just BS, and committing herself to fully to work and career and making money and the external, the things that don't matter, right? And so this husband is like, what happened? Why is this going on? And we, we, when we look back at their relationship, I, fi I find out that the wife really didn't have much conviction in the blessing. And she didn't know that in her defense. She didn't know. Because a lot of the reasons that she received the blessing, and honestly, honest to God, a lot of the reasons a lot of people receive the blessing is not because they have 100% conviction in the blessing, but actually because they're afraid. They're afraid of the alternative. They're, they're afraid of disappointing their parents. They're afraid of disappointing their community. They're afraid of, of feeling rejected by their faith and by their church community and the people around them if they don't receive this blessing, okay? Now, that might sound far-fetched and out of this world, but it's actually a lot more common than we think. I myself had a little bit of that when I received the blessing, right? And so what happened to this couple is that she, her entire belief system was not really genuine. It was not conviction in, in God. It was not conviction in anything. It was really just, I wanna do this for my parents because my parents want me to do this. And if I don't, then I don't wanna deal with the consequences of 
upsetting them, disappointing them, and receiving anger, right? Being bestowed, all of that stuff. So what she did is just, you know, God bless her. It's a very difficult situation to be in. She didn't really know what she believed in. She wouldn't really, and, they, and the couple didn't really talk about that kind of stuff because they were maybe filtered, their lenses were, were fogged by, uh, by a filter of, of other stuff, infatuation, preferences, career, making money, and that envision and that kind of stuff. But it wasn't really together built on something deep. Foundationally, it was not built on something everlasting like the blessing, okay? Now I'm using this couple as an example because it's very common that if people don't have aligned visions regarding things that are actually you know deep and personal and value systems, fundamental value systems, what happens is either they will split or one of the individuals will compromise and go to the other side. And in most cases in our world, it's easier to go the side of, you know, the blessing is not, not important to me anymore. I don't want to raise my kids in this environment. Faith is not real. God is not real. Spirituality is not real. Let's listen to a bunch of negative podcasts about our church. Let's listen to all the websites that are that are bashing our true parents, right? And that's where they, they will gravitate towards naturally and they'll stop going to church, etc. right? Let me cut, tell you guys something. True parents came here to give the blessing, right? Wrong. True parents came here to give the blessing to people, to specific people that want to share the blessing with their children and with other people. And it's a different way to think about it because we often think like, oh, your parents came to give the blessing. Yes, but they also came to give the blessing to people, specific people that want to pass this on to their children. And that's why it's so important to have conviction in what this blessing is and a personal understanding of God, your parents, and spirituality, right? Because if two, if, if two individuals who are in a relationship don't really care about the blessing and they're just doing it you know, to please people or whatever, what are the chances that they're gonna teach their children about the blessing? Zero. What are the chances that their children or their grandchildren will ever ever receive the blessing and really have a genuine curiosity to understand God and your parents? Zero percent chance. There's no chance. So what your parents and what God really actually need is not just two people that are committed to the blessing and to each other. They actually need two people who are committed to the blessing and committed to raising their children in that environment and to share it with other people. That is what is needed to create lineage. That's how lineage is established, guys, all right? So I want you to remember from this video, if anything, it's more important than anything else is that you have a clear understanding of what your faith is, what your belief is, where you stand in your relationship with God, who God is to you, what spirituality and spirit world are. And on that foundation, you can have conviction in where you're going. And when you find a person to, to have a matching conversation with and you speak with them and you have give and take with them, it will be clear to you that this is a good decision. Even if I maybe don't prefer some things, some quirks, some characteristics, but I know I trust God and ultimately it's your decision and you have to take ownership for it. I love you guys. See you later.